This episode is sponsored by Fracht. Fracht means freight in German. Founded in 1955 in Basel, Switzerland as a freight forwarder, the company has grown and evolved to become a global logistics provider for many industries. Specifically for oil and gas, the company manages the complex movement of large industrial equipment used in our offshore production platforms, all the way to MRO, rope soap and dope, and chemicals. For more information, find them at www.frochtgroup.com. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, the Chief Sustainability Officer for Frac, a global logistics provider with an unflinching commitment to sustainability and ESG, and where we are collaborating with our customers and our suppliers to deliver innovative, sustainable supply chain solutions. Mike Zamus, the Chief Product Officer at Sphera, is joining us today on the ESG Energize podcast. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Delfina. Great to be here. I am very interested in talking to you, Mike, because this ESG space, while wonderfully exciting, especially since we have a podcast dedicated to it, has created a challenge for those of us that are trying to navigate some of the compliance waters and the associated tracking, tracing, uh, reporting of everything that we're doing. And Sphera is right smack in the middle of that. And I wanted to get you on the show so that we could have a conversation, maybe to help my audience understand this space a little bit better. Not just, I'd like to hear about the your thoughts on the ESG space in general, because you live this every single day, as do I. What your thoughts are on the ESG space in general? What's driving it? So to set the stage for then jumping into the conversation about, okay, how do we manage our way through that? Does that sound good, Mike? That sounds fantastic. And it's a great question. It gives me a lot of room to run and I'm excited about it. So ESG, a huge space that I think most companies are trying to get their arms and heads around it. There's so much going on. I always have the conversation, what is ESG? And I think we all know it stands for environmental, social, and governance. That's easy. But what does it mean to me? What does it mean to my company? How does my company prepare for it? Are we prepared for it? Have we been working on it for years? Or is this brand new to us? And so you get all of these dynamics and uh, companies are struggling to figure out what it means and how do I begin or how do I take that next step or bigger? My CEO just made a net zero pledge for 2040. How do we get there? So there's all these dynamics going on that companies are struggling with. And I think when you look at ESG, you can look at it and think about it as a series of externalities beyond your financial P&L that we think are important. That's kind of a fancy way of saying a balanced scorecard to look at things that are not just financial. So companies are being driven, and we'll talk, I'm sure, more about that a little bit, by regulators, by investors, by lenders, by their colleagues, by their customers, by their supply chain and their stakeholders 
to do more, to show more, to be more transparent in what they're doing across many facets, not just their financial P&L. So big problem, uh, well, not problem, but a big opportunity for companies to think more broadly than just the financials. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you caught yourself on from, from a problem to the opportunity. It really, it really truly is an opportunity. And to piggyback a little bit on what you said about everybody knows what it's environmental, social, and governance, but another nuance that I think we need to discuss is that ESG is not the same as corporate, corporate social responsibility. And I think you nailed it in saying that ESG is a mechanism by which external factors look at our organizations and judge us. And it's a set of criteria that, that they, they put us up against, you know, how, they, how we benchmark against other organizations that they, they ask those questions. And so I want to go back to something that you said. You asked, you said, well, people might be asking, is this something new or is this something we have, have we been working on for years? I would like to know what your take is because I have a very, I have my own take on that. Yeah, is it something, yeah. is it, is it really new for most companies or is it something they've been working on for years? Maybe under a different name. Yeah. You gave me that hint. So I'll go right into it. <laughs> Corporate social responsibility. Yeah, it's, it's actually gone by many names. I mean, people could even go back to GRC. We can go back to 1994 and John Elkington and talk about Triple P, People, Profit, Planet, right? Oh, yeah. It's been around for a while, right? This is not new news. It's the newest incarnation of the same idea, right? That there are things beyond dollars and cents that mean a lot to the world and the people and the companies and the governments. But, you know, CSR maybe gave some of us a bad taste in our mouth, right? That a lot of times I was left, you know, frankly, with the marketing department. And we took pictures of people picking up garbage and cleaning and, you know, bringing together recycling and planting trees and saying all these good things about ourselves. But Not that the there's anything problems, wrong with that. Oh, no, that's great. I mean, there's value but. in its own on that. But it's not everything we're thinking about now, Right. No doubt. A cleaner world, more recycling, more trees. I'm, all, I'm for all of them. But the reality is that's not really solving the bigger problems we may be facing with things around climate change and you know some of the social issues in the world that are going on. So I think that's what ESG is trying to make another run at. To your point, these are issues we've been grappling with for a while in different names under different formats. But you know, it seems like the momentum is there. Consumers are pushing, regulators are pushing because consumers are pushing, lenders are, are making noise, green bonds, um, investors are investing in various areas um, that are focused on sustainability and ESG. So I think it, it has been something that's been around for a while, but it's taking a new form with more teeth. So let's take that and look at inside of an organization for just a minute, there is a plethora of external factors that are looking at the organization. What is your take on yet the number of players inside of an organization that have to come together to work on this topic collaboratively? Yeah, the trite right answer is everyone, but it's not far off from the truth. You talked about all these outside factors. So whether it's a government regulator, whether it's an investor, whether it's a lender, whether it's a customer, whether it's a competitor, whether it's an NGO, companies are getting 
pressure from multiple directions and multiple fronts all at the same time. And those are hitting different internal constituents and stakeholders. So everybody's running around in the company, like with some piece of the puzzle saying, I've got to answer a, a social issue. I've got to answer a diversity issue. I've got to answer an environmental question over here. What are we doing about recycling? What are we doing about circularity, right? So everybody's got a piece of the puzzle. And unless you get everyone together and start a coordinated approach towards ESG in total, we're all going to be running around trying to answer slightly different but similar questions. Um, and that's, I think, what the companies are struggling with right now. Are we organized to handle it? Are we prepared to take the next step? What is the next step? And where am I today? Right. So these are the challenges we see in a lot of our customers. So could you, so we can take the conversation to the next step. Could you do a quick introduction about what Sphera does in this space? And then we can talk about how you're supporting all of these different parts and pieces and these efforts that have to come together. Yeah, we view ourselves as the largest environmental, social, and governance risk and performance management company out there. What does that mean? We use our software, our content, and our consulting expertise to help meet our customers where they are on their ESG journey, right? And some of those customers are just starting, scratching their heads, saying, I have this ESG opportunity in front of me, but where do I begin? And we have others that are well down the path that have been doing it for years. Many of our European customers are in that boat. This is old hat to them, right? They've been working on this for quite some time, but they want to take that next step. How do I get better, right? I have those net zero pledges. I have pledges around freshwater use. I have, uh, I'm targeting various UN sustainable development goals. And I, I want to get to that next level. I want to get to that next reduction or that next increase. And so how do I do it? And they use our software, content, and consulting expertise to help them take that step. Okay, so everything from uh, keeping track of the regulatory environment to uh, risk management. I'm really glad that you mentioned risk management because I think that where a lot of companies get a little scared and maybe miss the opportunity, which we talked about earlier, that this really is an opportunity, is that it's not just about playing whack-a-mole and making sure that you comply with any sort of regulation that comes out, but it's also understanding how to mitigate the risks associated with, with not taking the right approach to your business, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, Absolutely. And I, I find that you mentioned uh, risk, and that's very interesting as well. There's even a behavior in the market called green hushing. I'm sure you and your listeners have heard of it. Companies that are doing good things, but they're afraid to talk about them because someone might poke at it. It's so upside down, but it's true. Uh, there are companies who are doing really great stuff behind the scenes, but they're afraid that someone will disagree, right? Or say they're not doing enough. So it's, it's funny that's coming out. But yeah, risk management. Um, if we go back and you're a company starting your journey or even updating your journey, there's often something we call a materiality analysis at the beginning of any one of these ESG journeys. What's material to your company with regards to ESG? Give me an example. You know, 
uh, health and safety metrics, diversity, equity, okay. inclusion, composition of your board, okay. right? water and waste emissions, right? So these are factors in E, S, and G that are relevant to your company, to your industry. Um, there's, a, there's a board and a framework out there called SASB, um, and they have a very nice structure by industry identifying what is sort of baseline material for every industry. Just a, it's a starting point, but it's a great starting point. Um, for companies to see what's important. Now, of course, you take the next step and you interview your stakeholders. That tends to be people in your company and leadership and people all across your company, your customers, sometimes even your competitors, your suppliers, to round out that picture of what's important for your company to measure. And then getting the systems in place to get a baseline, to understand how you're going to measure from that baseline, what your goals are, how you're going to reduce that, how you're going to improve it, and then track and trace that over time. And net zero is probably the best example because we hear about it all the time. Company X is going to reduce carbon emissions from today by 40% by 2040, right? So track, track, track. How do you track that over time? And I'll, I'll leap into my next one. I think what's making this round of ESG different than the historical part we talked about a few minutes ago is that there's much more rigor involved. People are expecting to be able to measure this like financial reporting. So if you make a net zero pledge saying, I'm gonna reduce 40% from my 2020 baseline to 2040, people wanna look at that quarter by quarter, year by year, and say, show me how you're moving that down. How are you improving to hit your spoken targeted goal? So that measurability, that traceability, that auditability is becoming very important. Yeah, I agree. This The whole conversation around science-based targets, right? We want to know That's exactly, exactly how, you're, how you're measuring. But I also, I think that there still is a lot of nebulous areas where we don't have all the, and argue with me, please, Mike, I don't think that, I think there's some areas where we don't have the right data or way of, of calculating the data and we're forced to work with averages because we simply don't have that capability just yet. Yeah, so. you're exactly right. So we'll talk about the three broad scopes of, you know, GHG emissions, for example, or carbon emissions. Scope one, you know, emissions that you emit. So think of a smokestack. Scope two, energy that you use in your plant, in your offices, your facilities. And scope three is kind of a lot of other stuff that gets really hard to manage and, and measure around product and purchase goods and services. So that is an area, that's the hardest nut to crack. I won't say scope one and scope two are solved problems, but I will say people have worked a long time and we're getting pretty good at those, right? We're getting pretty good at measuring those or estimating those to a better degree. Scope three is a really hard space to crack, right? And you're right, the, call it the data quality, the accuracy of the information that's being used to estimate those scope three emissions is pretty nebulous in most cases. There's you know, rough sizing calculations and some broad survey estimates, but you know, as time goes on, we're gonna have to measure those in a much more granular, much more rigorous way so we have real data to talk about, you know. So you think about uh, how many 
airline flights a company takes. That's actually an area if you use you know, a system to track flights that your you know, people take at the company, whether it's an expense system or not, you can really improve your measurement ability there. Other things are much harder. How is, how is the input for the goods that you buy somewhere halfway across the world, how do you track the emissions of those being shipped to you, incorporated in your product, and then sold to somebody else, right? That's a hard problem. Scope three is a hard problem for all of us to solve. But, uh, you know, there are companies working very hard on trying to understand that. We have certain tools and there are others that have tools like that that start measuring that detail. It's still a hard problem, but a lot of focus is going into that scope three emissions area. You've just described to the entire ESG Energize podcast audience what I spend my days doing. (laughs) <laughs> you're welcome. Try, you're trying to crack that nut. Yeah. I'm glad yeah, you understand how hard my job is. <laughs> yeah, I empathize. I empathize. It is it is a challenge. So I'm gonna ask you another question. Um we've I've talked in the past and, and I'm pretty sure that, that Sphera has has addressed this topic as well, and that is of operational ESG. Mm-hmm. And what's your what's your take on operational ESG? How do you define it and how do you attack it? Yeah, great question. I mean, like I started, you know, when someone says ESG, what is it is often the first question. So as a company, we've said we've got to we've got to understand it. And we've got to describe it. Operational ESG is what we talk about. And we think about it in three broad ways. First and foremost, we're solving generally a regulatory need. So not only do we have reporting that talks about, you know, that ESG framework level reporting, we have tools that will go down and measure uh, air, water, waste emissions at a very granular level, you know, for something like a large refinery, for a midstream a supplier, for extraction. So it's, it's about meeting your regulatory requirements, meeting your air permits, meeting your health and safety commitments, meeting your product safety elements. Right, so bringing all these regulatory needs together, that's step one. Step two, it's operational. It's what you do every day, right? It's not an end of year survey. It's not something that you look at once a quarter. It's what you do in your operations every day. We are measuring emissions every single day, right? And we're being more productive and efficient in that area. You know, it's not spreadsheets and SharePoint. It's purpose-fit systems, to be able to measure that accurately and uniquely and traceably and so you can audit it. So we've got the regulatory piece, we've got the operational efficiency piece, and then what you find is you bring one and two together and they feed your ESG ambitions. So now that emissions information you've been tracking for the air permit and you've been doing it effectively and efficiently through day-to-day operations are now feeding your ESG ambitions in scope one, right? So that's how these daisy chain together. You've got the regulatory piece, the operational piece, and the ESG piece. And it's what you do every day. Think financial reporting. You know, it's not something at the end of the year. We don't wake up on December 31st and go, how did we do this year? We are doing a monthly close, a quarterly close. We're issuing reports. This stuff is, is live. It's real time. It's what you do. So that's how we define operational ESG. It's so I, you just hit on something that is not well understood in the general public. And you see companies publishing sustainability reports all the time. We, 
people need to understand that just like publishing an annual report, right? You need, you don't publish on December 31st, go boom, here's our annual report. You have got to have been collecting the quarterly report information and you can't publish your annual report until the first quarter, right, of, has gone yeah. by of the next year. It's, it's that time lag of being able to pull all this information together. And in Q1, you're publishing not only your annual report, but your first quarter report too. And so sustainability exactly reports- right. Are no are no different. This is not you know. You don't just wake up on December thirty first and say, "Here's all my information." It's, it doesn't work that way. You are one hundred percent correct. You are one hundred percent correct. And we've got we've got clients who who have a monthly close. They close ah. the ESG book every month, right? Really, just like yeah, just like financials, because that's their point. It is something you manage every day. It's not a end of year. How did we do? End of quarter. How did we do? They look every month and they're monitoring every month how they're doing, because that also gives them the chance to course correct as a company. Like, oh, we're not we're not going to this goal that I thought I was going to hit. Oh, my gosh, we need to change. Right. And so that gives them the opportunity to step in and make a change and do something different to get back on track or to accelerate a goal they're doing well at. So that's that's how the you know, kind of forward thinking companies are working. They're really thinking about it more like financial reporting than anything else. This is just another piece that's going to fall into my financial. So is that what you, you're the, the chief product officer. I'm just reminding yeah. my, my audience who I'm talking to here. You're not the CEO. You're not the chief marketing guy. You're not the sales guy. You're the product guy. So is right. that what you've had? Is that what you, and I know that you have a very prestigious financial background. Is that how you approached the product development for Sphera is being able to give organizations the tools that they need to manage their sustainability efforts as if it were financial reporting? That's how we think about it. That's how we think about it. It's what you do all the time every day and close it, close it, close it, check yourself, know how you're doing, measure progress, you know, hit the goals that you're looking for, because that was the third piece of operational ESG. How are you tracking to your ESG ambitions, right? And how will I ever know if I'm not measuring and, you know, coming up with baselines and, and measuring my progress? So, yeah, that's how we think about it. That's how we've always thought about it. It is, it is rigorous data. And you mentioned science-based targets. You know, it's, it's elements like that that you can measure and put your hands on and then take action to show improvement. And that is key. So, it's not it's not the old CSR report like we talked about a minute ago. This is exactly. something completely different. <laughs> Thank you. You can't say that enough times for me. <laughs> okay, I'll see how many more times I can sneak well, it no, in. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 laid out one, two, and three, regular answering the regulatory need identifying what you're, you need to do every day operationally, and then that ties into your ESG ambitions. Is that the roadmap or is there somewhere else, someplace where you have to start before that? Is, is that the path that you have to follow, like step one, step two, step three? Yeah, I, I mean, in the end, yes, that is. But I, you, know, you bring up a great point. The first step is a commitment. Do you really believe in it? Is this something you are really committed to or is this, like we talked about CSR, uh, more window dressing, just something that isn't necessarily what you believe in? And we see a lot of companies, a lot of our customers and a lot of other great companies out there 
who have made a commitment, they believe in these non-financial externalities are part of everything they do. And so how do we make an improvement? So they're committed to improve and they're building teams internally. They're funding those teams to go do good work and really improve the company in the areas they deem are important for that materiality analysis we talked about earlier. So I think it starts with a commitment. And then once you have a commitment, then you start doing the materiality analysis and what I mentioned before, you're feeding regulatory requirements, you're being effective and operational in what you do every day, maybe closing your ESG books every month, and it will feed that ESG ambition and you will see improvement over time. Hmm. So let me ask the question that is probably at at the top of the mind for the majority of the listeners to this podcast on the oil and gas global network, which is, are you seeing any material differences in either drivers or approach or philosophy between oil and gas companies and other companies? Like you mentioned product circularity right? That's not really something we talk about in oil and gas, right? But so what are you seeing? Yeah, well, I think oil and gas companies like other companies want to improve and want to get better, right? And they are focused on that. And we often say internally, it's all about helping customers get to that next step, get to that next goal, be part of the solution, right? How do we help them get better at what they do and how they do it, right? And there could be things like recycling, right? Recycle that old oil, Capture that old oil, bring it back in, right? You know, a challenge without a doubt, uh, oil is carbon. Uh, we all know that, right? But but the reality is you can be good. And you see companies like Shell who are working extremely hard to figure out what that means for them as a company. You know, are we an oil company or are we an energy company? It's a good question, right? It's a good question. Oil has been extremely fundamental and foundational to the growth of society over the last 150 years or more, right? Maybe more than that. Um, but it's really, you know, are they energy companies? Are they oil and gas companies? How do they get better in any sense of the word, right? And so we've seen the same approach from our, our uh, oil and gas customers as our chemical customers, as our heavy industrial, and even all the way to retail. Now, obviously, the the situation in retail is a little easier. It's pretty much the building energy management, and that's most of what they need to talk about. But I think everybody approaches it in the same way. What's material to me as a company and how do I improve it? Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So where, what, where do people, there's a lot of, of need in this space for, for understanding. Uh, we talked about this quite often uh, in a lot of the dis- the panel discussions, the presentations during CIRA Week by S&P Global a few weeks ago. We're talking about the need for energy literacy, uh, for for a roadmap for a lot of these stuff with with around the energy transition. There's a lot of need in the market right now for knowledge, for information, and for tools. At what stage in the game? Do organizations reach out to companies like Sphera to say, come help me? Yeah, right when they make that commitment that I mentioned earlier, once they realize that this is serious and that they they have ambitions in the ESG space and they want to improve, that's about the time they realize 
it's a big problem. You and I joked a few minutes ago about scope three and the complications there. I think when they go through scope one, they're like, okay, I can measure that. Scope two, okay, I can see my way there. Scope three, where do I even begin, right? It's just, it's almost mind blowing in complexity sometimes. So that's when they reach out and start saying, okay, okay, I need some help. How do I build a plan? How do I build a program? What are all the pieces? Where do I need to start? And then how do I lay down that foundation to really, you know, get going and go achieve those goals that I want to hit? Right. So those are those that's about when I think when when the company has their own internal epiphany around it's important to me, that's when you start seeing that move. And actually, we're seeing a lot in the United States. I would say the SEC proposed rule on climate related change really galvanized, let's say, a lot of C-suites around the country if they hadn't already been brought in because of European suddenly made them kind of sit up and take notice. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of CFOs thought twice, like, oh, no, there's a whole new area for me to report on the, the 10K and the 10Qs and everything that's else. Right. So that's that really right. got their attention, right? And so I think that's been uh, clearly a big driver, at least in the United States, for that kind of thinking. So what's your outlook for all of this? Where do you, where do you see us going? Do you see us making progress? Do you see us getting easier? Do you see it getting harder and then easier? What, what's your, your view? What would you like my audience to know about this space being yeah, someone that it, lives it? Yeah, uh, you're probably right. It'll probably be, uh, get harder uh, then a lot easier. So right now, it's, uh, there's so much noise around ESG. And forget the financial side. Let's leave that over there. But just in terms of you know, executing as a company, your ESG ambitions and the frameworks around that. There's so much going on. It's a bit of a whirlwind. And the regulations and requirements and expectations and norms have not been set yet. So everybody's doing their best moving forward with different frameworks like GRI, Global Reporting Initiative, CDP, TCFD, ISSB, SASB. It's an alphabet soup of frameworks. So really I actually <laughs> empathize with our customers who are like, "Where? pick one. I'll do whatever you want. Just pick one. <laughs> I had that conversation this morning. Delphina, oh, pick one. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. Give me a yeah, minute. We're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. So in the short term, it's going to be very... It's going to be confusing, right? And it's it's complicated <laughs> for our customers, and I empathize it. We have our own ESG report. We go through that. So we, we have our own challenges. How should we report? Where should we report? What should we report to? What do we subscribe to? Because there's so many out there, unlike financial reporting, which is complicated but cut and dry. There's one source. It there's is. one way. You know, it's, it's on a path, right? It's between the guardrails. So uh, sustainability and ESG is a little more wild west right now. So in the short term, it's going to be complicated, but you can already see some consolidation in these reporting frameworks. You can see the EU and the United States and the UK and New Zealand kind of coalescing on target areas of reporting. So you can see the glimmer of hope where it's all going to start to converge, right, and get easier. Um, but the key, like anything else, is start now and get the muscles moving, right? Get those reporting muscles started get the organization laid down, get people used to gathering the information. Because there's a huge, potentially a huge organizational question here internally is that, you know, you're going to be trying to get information from all over your corporation, from all over your enterprise. And those might be muscles that aren't used a lot right now, right? And so the ESG team, if that's how a company is organized, is going to be reaching into 
a whole variety of operations and functions trying to get the key data to pull together in a coherent, measurable, auditable, transparent way that you can reproduce year over year like a financial statement. And that's, you know, you can't start that early enough. I'll just simply say you can't start that early enough. I cannot agree with you more, especially running a global operation, right? We've got just every corner of the world and we don't have the same level of resources available in every single in every single region and people it's all hands on deck every single day delivering what what our clients need and now here comes this this chief sustainability officer coming over going bink, 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 bink. you know i need yeah. i need you to give me that information it's like go away you're bothering me you know it's like yeah. i got to run my business here but when you have the commitment, which I am very blessed, my listeners have heard me say it a million times, I'm very blessed in my organization to have commitment top, bottom, sideways. It's absolutely crazy how, how committed we are to, from, to sustainability since our, our owner has been touting it since 2001, believe it or not. He was one of the, the first uh, uh, owners of a, of a company, a, a worldwide clump company to say, hey, this is a really important thing for us, right? So- I, I agree. It's it's a it's it's tough, and we're going to keep on keeping. So, Mike, could you just tell us how you got into all of this? Tell us about you right. and how you got into this. What what excited you about sustainability and ESG? And yeah, well, first and foremost, I'm a fly fisherman, so I like being outdoors, and I love uh, fly fishing, and I love you know clean air, clean water. Trout only live in the you know the most clean, most pure, most cold and clear water you'll find. So I've always been very aligned with, you know, clean air, clean water, great environment, being outdoors. And so it seemed natural. And it's always been part of Sphere's mission since we were created in 2016, a safer, more sustainable and productive world is our mission. So it's always been part of what we do. And through our evolution over the last, whatever, six years, five, six years, Uh, We've been acquiring companies and building out our own organic skills and abilities to really serve this need because we've seen it for a long time. And uh, I think all of us as individuals like to have a a nice world to go outside in. Uh, And we've seen sort of the flip side of that. You know, I think last summer we all saw the Lake Mead and Lake Powell and how low the water level was there. Saw similar things in Europe. It's all becoming very apparent to us as individuals, wildfires in California, you know, the glaciers calving off in Antarctica. There's all kinds of examples that we as regular everyday people can associate with, right? Uh, So driving that agenda is pretty exciting to me. I feel like it's a a bit of a mission-driven organization. So having that behind us, we're not just building software. Hopefully we're building software to save the world. Well, I love that. It's a a little bit selfish to say I want my trout to be nice and healthy so that I can eat it. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, but in all honesty, Mike, you're approaching it from from that perspective. It it's what puts you why you put your heart and soul into something, right? Uh, others of us might might say, you know, maybe I don't care about fly fishing. Um, I, I think I would like it. I think it'd be fun. But uh, I'm more care. I'm more more important. What's more important to me is having uh, a world where my child is going to to be able to thrive and her children will be able to thrive, right? So it's about That's, posterity. Absolutely. That's practically the definition of sustainability, right? Living in a world exactly. where you're not consuming it all, you're leaving it for future generations. 
Well, Mike, it's been a sincere pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insight, wisdom, experience with, with my listeners. And what I'd like to do is put some sort of access to your organization in our show notes. Is it sphera.com? Is, it sure is. Is that your website? It's okay. just that simple. It's that simple. We're going to put that in the show notes. Mike Zamis, Chief Product Officer from Sphera, thank you for joining me on ESG Energized. Thank you so much, Delphine. It's been a pleasure. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.